As a recent convert to classical music, I can authoritatively say that there is a prevailing notion in the civilian world that classical music is lovely, sometimes even exciting, but for the most part, innocuous. It's elevator music. It's played in church. Babies sleep to it. The idea that it can be anything other than nice seems far-fetched. Most of it doesn't even have words. I mean, how bad could it be? Well, I'm Desha Clay, and this is a Classical Classroom Research presentation. Hold on to your hats, people, because I'm about to blow your mind holes with the history of some of the most dangerous music in the world. That's right. This is the story of censored classical music. The year is 1025. Guido of Arezzo, a Benedictine monk, has just published his Micrologus, a book that will change musical notation forever. In that book, Guido developed a system of chords which effectively banned the use of the tritone, the augmented fourth, due to its disturbing dissonance. The tritone was soon given the nickname Diabolus in Musica, or the devil in music, because it was to be avoided at all costs. A mythology built up about the evil of the tritone, and though the church never officially banned it, composers didn't really feel comfortable using it until the late 1800s. Seventeen o three, Rome. Pope Clement the Eleventh enacts a five-year ban on operatic performances, ostensibly because of political conflict, but definitely from his discomfort with opera's sinful nature. For five years, the people of Italy would hear no Scarlatti, no Handel, no Caldara at public performances. Fun fact. Clement also reaffirmed a prohibition on women's participation in public theater. The original prohibition led to the creation of a new kind of singer, the castrato. As Jeremy Nicholas of Gramophone put it, in the eyes of the Catholic Church, it was deemed preferable to have castrated males sing the roles that would have been sung by women. Truly, God does at times move in a most mysterious way. It's now 1935 in America. Gershwin's opera, Porgy and Bess, has just debuted, featuring an entirely black cast, as depicted by a white man. The Negro Repertory Company of Seattle canceled a performance of the opera because they felt that Gershwin's was a racist depiction of black people. Another performance was canceled for similar reasons at the University of Minnesota. Opera aficionados, meanwhile, scoffed at the idea that black singers could really succeed in opera. Then. At the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement in the 1940s, at the National Theater in Washington, D.C., actor Todd Duncan, who played the original Porgy, refused to go on stage unless every seat in the house was open to people of all colors. High five, Todd. It's 1936 in the Soviet Union, and Joseph Stalin's Great Purge is underway. Dmitry Shostakovich's opera, Lady Macbeth of the Mtsintsk District, debuts. It is denounced as muddle instead of music by the state paper. Suddenly, Shostakovich's commissions disappear, and he's in danger of being imprisoned or worse. 
Shostakovich stopped working on his fourth symphony out of fear of punishment and started working on a fifth. The subtitle? A Soviet artist's practical creative reply to just criticism. Meanwhile, Sergei Prokofiev did his level best not to raise the eyebrows of the Communist Party, even creating blatantly pro-party works. By 1948, accused of the ambiguous crime of formalism, Shostakovich, Prokofiev, and other composers fell victim to the repressive state. Further publications and performances of their works were banned. Meanwhile, at the same time in Germany, Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party created an entirely new category for bannable music called degenerate music. The Nazis reserved a special place in their hearts for music. As propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels said, music affects the heart and emotions more than the intellect. Anything the party claimed was decadent or critical of the regime was effectively wiped out. Jewish composers like Mendelssohn, Schoenberg, and Mahler were, of course, subject to the ban. And modernists like Hindemith and Stravinsky got it too. Composers fled to safer places like the US in droves. Those who didn't would become part of the Reich Chamber of Music, the official government agency. Or, if they were Jewish, the Jewish Culture League. Jewish musicians were not allowed to play quote-unquote true German music. Beginning in 1938, the anti-Semite Richard Wagner's music was, in turn, unofficially boycotted in Israel. Nineteen sixty-six signaled the beginning of Mao's cultural revolution in China. As of the mid-1960s, no Western music was available in China, and even Chinese classical music was usurped by revolutionary operas. No Bach, no Beethoven, no Mozart, no Brahms. All the way up until 1978. In 1971, sneaky Estonian composer Arvo Pertz Credo, an overtly Christian piece, evaded communist censors because conductor Neme Yervi didn't bother to show it to the composer's union before the piece premiered. Frustrated by the censorship he encountered after Credo's debut and by his own creative conflict, Pert went into creative exile for eight years. But we were done with all that by the 80s, especially in the West, right? Not quite. In England, in 1989, a performance of Benjamin Britten's Death in Venice was banned by the Kent County Council because of their fear that it would violate Section 28 of the Local Government Act promoting homosexuality. And these are just a few examples from the long, strange history of this menacing music. So the next time you're listening to a Beethoven symphony, the next time you're humming along to some Handel, or maybe just enjoying a nice Debussy tritone, just think, for centuries, this music has contained such power that it has threatened the moral fabric of societies. It's had to be silenced to keep from bringing down entire governments. This stuff is not for the faint of heart, people. Of course, like a good student, I have listed my references. Just head over to classical917.org 
backslash classroom for anything you've heard that you'd like to learn more about. If you want to add something to the list of banned classical music, just send me an email at dclay at classical917.org and I'll uh, post it on the website. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.